Welcome to CX Diaries. CX Diaries from the Customer Experience Foundation is our podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX, the movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors, and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Wasim Mushtaq. Wasim's career in financial services has focused on leading operational teams and delivering strategic change across banking sectors partnering with global banks to execute large-scale transformation and advising innovative startups to launch new products and services. Wasim has a master's in economics from the University of Glasgow and more recently completed executive certificates at Said Business School, University of Oxford and MIT Sloan School of Management. Wasim, pleasure to have you with us today. Welcome. Hi, Keith. Pleasure to be here. I'm really glad that we managed to schedule it. I know we had a few issues. For that's great, good, good to be here. So, um, give us an overview of your role responsibilities as a CX professional in the in the banking or financial sector. How does that different for some of the other sectors we've dealt with? Yeah, sure, I'm happy to go into that. So, I mean, first of all, like I would say that I never like kind of I, I've never seen myself as like just a CX kind of person or professional in regards to like uh, my capabilities or deliverables, but it's been an important factor and everything that I've done and I had to deliver. Um, I mean, I, I think you kind of mentioned most of my career, probably 18 plus years now has been focused on either financial services or banking um, or startups, um, you know, FinTech as well. And then more recently kind of industry body. And the focus has always been either products and services and having very clean, I would say, um, um, channels for customers whether that's internal or external by the way to engage with uh, the product owners and and to deal with them directly it's been quite interesting i mean i've have launched a few products myself in banking as well and liaising with what you would deem product owners internally and and uh, and liaising with the, the various markets that was more for private banking um and wealth management and we can get into that but yeah i mean for what i've seen from when I started to, to where it is now, is that kind of omni-channel, digital, um, you know, kind of, and those focus on the customer journey and jobs to be done has evolved and the understanding of that and the industry's evolved. And that's kind of where I am at the moment. Yeah. So what what's your take on the customer experience landscape in financial services industry today? I mean, it's a massive area, honestly, like you've got, lots of teams and banks and in fintechs kind of talking about it the reality was that um, most people and most companies were very paper-based you know when i started anyway um and that's kind of going back kind of 2008 onwards and what's happened is through you know just the advent of you know i i guess better usability online in terms of websites um the the mobile banking in terms of the apps 
Um, you know, the expectation is that everything really is mobile first now in terms of principles in banking and financial services. Then you would normally have a website to, to as as a as a, a supporting mechanism as a platform. Then you'd have the call center. Used to you know companies still have that, and then and then you know you have branch. But it's interesting how. Um, you know, everyone is talking about, you know, the future of the branch, you know, and, and people and how you manage face-to-face interaction because every bank has realized and financial service is still an important aspect. You can't just be all kind of digital. Um, so that's one thing. And then the second thing is um, I think there's an, uh, an appreciation that um, a lot of the fintechs that have and just the, the, um, the kind of more startup mindset have focused a lot on the customer experience and the customer journeys. And as a result, you've got some really large valuations. Like if you look at Revolut, Starling, kind of Monzo, all these fintechs and neobanks have focused a lot on customer experience on their apps and development. And a lot of, and you see a lot of copycat kind of um, in the industry where the, the bigger banks see some of the releases that are happening in these neobanks, challenger banks. And then, you know, maybe six months after, like they may release something kind of similar. So, yeah, there is a lot of that going on, but it's good because the end result should be um, a better client experience. Um, uh, what What do you think are the unique challenges of delivering great customer experience in financial services? And I'm thinking things like compliance, regulation, legacy, heritage, all that kind of thing. I mean, I think the, the first thing I would say is that um, it depends on the client. And the segment and depends on the product and, and and what i mean by that is a retail client you know or, or someone looking for like a 500 or 1000 pound loan um maybe wanting or or want to experience a different kind of a journey to let's say a high net kind of key uh a high net worth or a, a, a key client that is about to do a loan for like a super yacht or a super jet for, you know, a 200 million, right? So I think the segment as well, in terms of not only the is a corporate institutional client or so forth, but also the, um, the persona of the client, you know, are they a Gen Z or the millennial or the baby boomer? And, you know, what's their kind of a risk tolerance and preference as well in terms of products and financial services. I mean, financial services are a very highly regulated industry as well. So of course you you need to go, you know, and be very transparent on pricing and the risk associated to any products and, you know, expectations. Let's say you're doing a loan, you should be doing a full credit underwrite. And if it's, if it's a secured loan or unsecured loan, you know, there's other kind of stipulations that you need to do. So the reality is that there, there's so many kind of variables. Um, so it does kind of make it complicated to get everything right. Um, the, the, the main thing and the main feedback I've seen in banks and product developers um, in fintechs, I also advise is that they look for simplicity um, and to, you know, simplify the complex and make the journeys actually um, enjoyable. Um, and um, it should be kind of omni-channel. So if you stop somewhere in the process and you want to pick it back up, you should really be able to pick it back up at the same stage, whether that's online or the app. Um, That's not always um, the case because it is quite difficult. But I mean, that seems to be the key crux of it. But in terms of that, there's a lot of now movement to um, storing data and then using data to actually build insights. Um, So the customer 360s, 
is important. And then you use that to have more kind of, I would say, data-driven decision-making and hyper-personalization. Um, there's a lot of talk about that, but the reality is that there's too much data and banks and financial services are really focusing on the data that they need to actually make more informed choices for their customers, for their products. Otherwise, I think you're always chasing your tail when it comes to data. But let's unpack that a little bit more and get into that understanding customers. So how would the financial services organization or how should the financial services organization segment and understand the different customer groups? Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's a good question. Um, so I would say, first of all, um, you need to be clear on what your own product is and what your services are and what you're trying to get out of it. So like, you know, you, you could, banks, fintech could have a competitive advantage, for example, um, in any kind of elements of, 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 of their product set. Um, in terms of the persona, well, first of all, the best data is always the data you currently have. Um, so it's about, and if you can, uh, I'm a big proponent of like consumer groups, um, you know, kind of roundtables and getting some feedback. Um, obviously, you've got the data to do the the personas and the segments, and that could be um, segmenting in terms of AUM. It could be segmenting in types of the customers you have and um, the products that they have. It could be segmenting on like the location, you know, and and the regulatory environment. I think that's initial. I would say. Uh, a first base like you would expect to, to be like standard across the organization then you get different um segments in regards and segmentation in regards to well, what is the service that you're providing are you providing more relationship management type of service or are you providing more like uh online banking kind of transactional management kind of service and in that what are the expectations of the client for example if you have an sme client they might kind of want a bank that is more like a treasurer where they can dip in and dip out when they need financial um, support and they kind of really want like a credit line. And what's important from there is speed of transaction of decision. Um, but you also may, may want clients more in the advisory side where they actually want to speak to someone and not really a chat bot, um, you know, but, have a, a human to human conversation about advice on their portfolio and get some get some clarity. So it really all depends on the problem you're trying to solve with the customer, and from there can it work it out. I've been involved in lots of you know transformations where you've tried to simplify the customer journey. You're trying to simplify the rate cards, you know, because you've got too many, then you're trying to simplify the end goals and, and the decision-making and trying to actually um, already have a step up on the decision-making in terms of at any one time, you should be able to know what your customers can have access to and cannot have access to um, rather than just be entirely kind of reactive. So there is a lot of proactive kind of um, use of data going on from my understanding and my uh visibility and then from there actually um and we'll get on to later on about kind of embedded finance see what are the the kind of avenues to provide better and more informed kind of products like in a regulation that came in about kind of consumer duty i think it was, it was 31st of july of this year which is that it's, it's like the bank's responsibility to ensure that you know the product is the best is a good fit for the customer and if it's not you should have the information at hand to inform the customer on 
a better option. That could be like a mortgage rate or a loan or things of that nature. And for that is like a big push for banks and financial services to actually have their data in a in a good way, segmented um, and structured and cleaned. And I think there's a big movement on that happening right now. Um, and, and looking into that a bit further, what role does data analytics play in understanding customer behavior and improving that experience? Obviously, a lot of data analytics at play here. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, I mean, kind of 10 years ago, I think you'd be hard pressed to see any data science, data teams in banks, you know, uh, maybe in silos, but not across the group, you know, like, you know, I remember when I was at um, at Barclays kind of wealth, you know, they, they had something quite innovative in 2011 onwards where they were focusing more on kind of behavioral science you know and and people's attitudes to risk that informed their decisions whether you're going for advisory or a discretion portfolio management or exco try um in terms of certificate and portfolios for um investments i think the reality now is that everything has moved to cloud everything is now digitized i know there are still some things on paper but there's is a lot of data now and you know, there's been lots of studies that show that companies that can use data to make decisions usually make better decisions and they're informed decisions. And companies that usually make informed decisions are usually um, more competitive and provide better services, right? So it's kind of like a domino effect. And because of that, um, there's a big movement to kind of data-driven decision-making, uh, which I think makes sense. And that will support things like efficiency and cost savings and innovation and product development, as well as kind of more employee engagement because they know more about the customer. However, I don't think it's just about data. I don't want to, to lose the human element here, especially with people, you know, five, 10 to 20 years experience, like they know what good looks like. Um, and I, I know there's a lot of thing about, you know, like programming now and, and chat GPT and, and gen AI, which, you know, is a big kind of transformation piece in banking, but you can't lose the human interaction in this piece. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of banking journeys can be quite emotive. Like you get a loan, if, you, if it's a yes or a no, that's an emotive kind of pivot point in the journey. Maybe it's best to speak to a human, maybe, um, you know, or if they need some advice or if there's an insurance claim, you know, so there are lots of journeys where, you know, it's been proven that it's better to actually speak to like a human being rather than just be on the app or, you know, or, you know, or what have you. So I think that's actually very important. Um, and there's a bigger drive on that. And that information analytics will actually help the whole personalization piece because yeah. you need information to help you. Um, yeah, so I'll stop there. But I mean, I'll go on forever. But it's just one of those things. That it's not like a square box and square hole yeah. type of solution. There are so many variables. Okay. So how how would a... Uh, financial services institution use customer feedback to improve service yeah yeah um so i mean i've i was at a fintech before um and you know what, what we did was actually um you know we would le sh share the product with um prospective customers uh and get feedback and ask them well does this cover what you'd expect or what else would you want? So I know that you have a lot of kind of an MVPs, you have like round tables and get feedback and reiterate. I think that's a great use of um, your customer um, skills, um, you know, and just experience if you can do that. 
also I'm a big proponent of like of releasing things in beta where you can have a kind of friends and family kind of give feedback and then you can reiterate. I, th I think the key thing is there with like one banks and financial services have moved away from just like, this is the product and this is the product for its lifetime. Like, no, you get feedback, you know, every bank usually has technology kind of releases maybe once or twice every two weeks, you know, depending on, on your pipeline, you know, there's always technical specifications to make iterations. That's why, like, you will have updates on your app, on your mobile app or your phone app, you know, every other month is because they find tweaks, they find bugs. It also could be because, like, there's new regulation come in or they have to get more data, you know, things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a part of it for sure. Um so what was the other part of that question? Because it was a two-parter. What was well, the second part? I think more, more, more broadly, something our, our listeners are always um, keen on, and, you know, we, we cover a lot about that at the foundation, is about alignment. So how would you ensure that the customer experience strategy in a, in a financial services organization align with the overall business objectives? And is there ever, is, is there ever a conflict there? Well, okay, excellent. Right, yeah, so... I've actually got a model which kind of works actually, and I've spoken to quite a few people about this, and it seems it seems to work. So you start with, um, what is the product or service you have, and what is the problem that you're trying to solve for the customer? It could be a mortgage, you know, it could be a loan, it could be an investment, whatever it is, right? And and be very clear, what does the best journey look like in that example? For example, um, if you've already given information before on, on a topic, you would not expect to then re-give the information again in that journey, right? I'm a big proponent of not kind of double tapping in terms of information there. So that's one. And then, and then it's very clearly from a strategic perspective, does that align? Is your company's kind of, I would say, um, priorities aligned to what is best in class of that journey? And be honest with, you know, the the company there and with the employees. Like, okay, like we may want to be best in class, but it looks like from these ten key pivot points, we're only actually doing five that are really good, right? So the reality then is like. What are you doing with the other five? Are you actually making inroads to develop that or not? And so be it. So there needs to be alignment in terms of strategy to align with the best customer client experience. And then for me, if the the level below that is then aligning the product teams, the operations teams, the customer experience teams. You know, um, you know the UX UI designers, whatever it is to make them focused on those kind of improvements and deliverables and making sure that the business is actually set up to support those items and solutions. And and, and for and if you align like the, the customer journey with the strategic kind of business journey, but then, but then to like all the operational teams and finance and risk and compliance and so forth, then you can very clearly see if you're aligned or not or and where the gaps are. And that essentially then, determines what your roadmap has to be in terms of improving customer experience the reality is that what good looks like what good looks like is always evolving 
and you know and a, a competitor would always release something that's more innovative and then you kind of go back to the top thing ah well we thought this was best but now it looks like something else is best do we want to have that in our roadmap no because we've got another five things which we're not doing re really well at the moment let's focus on that or uh, yes i think we're in a position to now do that and the reality i would say is that sometimes banks and fintechs always get get caught in this cycle of looking at, at, the, at their competitors and trying to uh, you know build something a bit more shinier or keep pace but the reality is that they're better off actually fixing what they have at the moment and really yeah. making it the best they can so that then provides a foundation where you, you can put the shiny kind of bells and whistles on there's no nobody cares about how nice the paint is on the car if, if the engine doesn't go right so like it's one of those things Really interesting. And, and take that a bit further. What's the future outlook, do you think? How do you see customer service in banking, financial services, especially with the emergence of fintechs, new banks, et cetera? How do you see that developing? And I'm thinking of things like Gen AI and the balance between automation, automation and personalization. What's your take on that? Well, I was at an industry event yesterday, uh, kind of yesterday over the last two days, and there was there was a stage called digital innovation and Gen AI. So there was a lot of talk about it. I mean, I'll I'll give a few snippets. Um, as I would say the first thing is, a lot of banks and fintechs are investing in Gen AI um, projects. Um, a lot of VCs and private equity firms as well are investing in companies that are building this out. So it's definitely a growth area. It's definitely shifted. I don't think extra budget has been assigned to transformation. I think, but the prioritization of transformation budgets have 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 swung into kind of Gen AI, and the reason being is because that technology has passed a threshold where the it's now kind of useful and and you can implement something. Um, and you, you can get some quick wins. So I think that's interesting. Um, and I think the hesitancy there of a lot of banks and fintechs in general is that they're not sure about what regulation is going to be coming in on this. And also the regulators are probably looking at it and trying to understand, well, how much do you want, do you want to wait for the market to innovate and where are the guardrails required? I think there's a bit of um, a kind of six and a half a dozen of of the other on that one and, and they're probably trying to understand as well but it's definitely past the threshold where it's what everyone's talking about it now um so that's one secondly operationally like you know i think a lot of admin can probably be automated through gen ai if you get your kind of um networks and data working effectively i mean the reality is that some jobs are definitely going to be replaced by gen ai but the reality is also is that it's probably going to be more like a tool that that banks and financial services actually use to to improve their deliverables and reduce admin time, and then you can allocate more time to actually doing things that are going to actually um I would say have more um high IP kind of impact against the client. So I think that's one. Of course, there's this balance between omni-channel and mobile. I mean, in reality, you know, if you speak to anyone in, in Gen Z now, and you talk about a bank, the first thing is like, have they got an app? If if they didn't, if they never had an app, they would even consider it a bank, right? Like, you know, back in the day. So, so like, so, so that's kind of one of those things. Um, but also there's a big movement now about kind of just digital banks um, and, and mobile banks. But I think there is going to be a movement, I think, and not a return to branch, but I, I went to another event, which is like, what does the future of the branch kind of look like? You know, the reality is that you only kind of in banking now, financial services, you only kind of meet something face to face if there's a problem or you need a wet signature. 
or something. So there is going to be an interesting piece on that perspective. But the I would say the another thing about evolving in banking is that, you know, it's kind of going to be hidden in the background a lot now, which is that banking and financial services is moving interestingly into more, I would say, like a hospitality type of industry where like the customer experience is more important. And the embedded element of it is more important. Like you don't you shouldn't have to go to a bank to get a loan. It should be part of the journey. I'll give you an example. Um I was on an a panel yesterday with someone that has is the head of fintech partnerships for um DNB, which is the biggest bank in Norway. And they've got a collaboration with Tesla, you know, in Norway and a few other kind of Scandinavian countries where they provide the credit underwrite um as a white label service for Tesla on their website. So basically the the experience, customer experience with Tesla remains with Tesla, but there's a bank underwriting the loan, but you remain on Tesla and the journey. And I think there's going to be a lot of that going on. Um if you look at MS, MS Connect, you know, you know, they they want the customer relationship to be sticky. Um and they want to create lots of solutions to multiple problems and there's a big talk about kind of super app you know things of that nature i'm not not here to talk about too much about that but what i want to say is that services for financial services are going to be embedded in other customer journeys now if you look at e-commerce and at the end of it you have Klarna or a buy now pay later or you know like paypal p and three or what have you it's going to be part of the journey in something else not the journey of finance and i think very soon i mean if you think about it, embedded finance embedded bank has always been here like you put an atm on inside tesco what have you but the bank is available in that you know in that um location now because everything has gone to mobile the bank has just shifted into the mobile kind of universe and now what banks have realized because of data and everything's digital you can actually now move the bank or the service of a bank into the customer journey of another company that is not a financial organization however there is risk the risk is if everything is so smooth and everything is so friction frictionless where is friction required for example if you're about if you if you're going to check out Maybe you want a seamless experience to the one-click move. But if you're about to purchase something that will have a long-lasting impact, like whether it's a mortgage or whether you know you know you're about to get a loan, or you or you maybe maybe want a little bit of friction just to make sure, hey, it's the right thing. Because at the end of the day, people will get so used to doing clicks. You could do a, a click to buy a sandwich, but you can do a few clicks to buy a house. You know, so you know, and and some people might not be ready for that yeah really interesting i'm thinking more personally now before we wrap up um what sort of motivated you to move into customer experience within the financial services sector where did that come from yeah it wasn't i don't think it happened kind of rationally in terms of um front of heads for me using you know my kind of of uh logic and, and, and rational kind of thinking here it was just more of a realization that when it comes to banks, it becomes to financial services, customer experience is so important that you'd be silly not to understand it and 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 focus on it because at the end of the day, that seems to be a, a differentiating kind of factor. 
um you know and and it's quite it's, i'm honestly it's quite kind of simple if you focus on customer experience and um user journeys you banks naturally have a competitive advantage you know because it's a highly competitive landscape in terms of of financial services and it's not and it's not a race to zero if you if you always play that game about cutting the margin to zero you know you're never going to win because you're always going to get those clients are always are just loyal to the rate okay so that's that's not something you, you can win but if you have good kind of customer experience you end up having better uh, uh, customer loyalty um and customer retention and i think that's vital when you're starting to build relationships you, know, you don't want to want to be a, a in financial services, you just don't want to be a company there for a transaction. You want to be build a relationship and support people throughout their various stages and life cycle. So just having like um trust and retention is important, and that builds your reputation. If you if you're good in, in CX and UX as well, um, you can actually build regulatory compliance considerations within the customer journeys to ensure and support kind of compliance in those. And that's important. CX as well, if you're doing it right, you know, you could definitely have efficiencies and cost savings. Um, you can definitely support more innovation and product development. And then there's opportunity for cross-selling, upselling, and also then data-driven decision-making if you're capturing your data. And actually, from my experience, if your product is slick and, you know, clean and nice to use, your employee engagement actually probably get, becomes better as well. Um, and people are happier to work there. So there's a big movement towards user-centered design and personalization. That's something else I haven't mentioned, actually, which is important. Banking financial services is expected kind of 24-7. You know, you know, in terms of that's the expectation now. Like someone might be scrolling their phone at two a.m. and, and want to buy a purchase. Like they just expect it to work, just like a light switch. You don't. Nobody really cares how the light switch works. They just expect it to go on when you expect it to go on. And I think that's what financial services is going to kind of end up being. That it's there in the background. It's always there, available to you. And when you need it, you tap into it and you get out. Really interesting. And and, and finally, Wazim. Could you perhaps share a piece of advice for any aspiring CX professionals listening who might be looking to enter financial services? Yeah, definitely. So first thing is don't be afraid to build something yourself. And what I mean by that is you've got so many tools now in Figma or Lucidchart or so many kind of um, process flows that you can create. If you actually want to, if you see something that's incorrect or can be improved, nobody is stopping you from actually creating a proof of concept or MVP. And those types of people that use that type of, I would say, um, of, um, you know, what's the right word? People that show that type of resilience and motivation to do something um, is very well highly regarded in the industry because like, we want people who do, who do, and action owners. I would also say that don't focus just on CX roles. I think in every role now in every company, there is a requirement to understand the customer experience and the customer's point of view. If you bring that always front in mind, you're very likely to make better services and products. And also don't be afraid to speak to customers as well and just get information. Um, I think the more you ask, the more you will learn. So yeah, and you know, if you look at if you look at fintechs and banks, they're so many roles out there. The, the the one thing I would say if someone is interested in doing this, you know, 
really look at like a user-centered kind of design, look at fintechs or financial services, startups that you'll probably get a lot more experience up front and a lot more end-to-end experience. Um, and then you can always utilize that experience either to, to pivot into a larger organization or continue that journey. Because a lot of the fintechs and, and, and the startups, they focus a lot on the customer side and the customer relationship and really making that slick. And you can learn a lot from working in that part of the industry rather than just going into a big bank where you might get stuck in the legacy systems and just that, a big kind of you know um, organization where you might you may feel disconnected with the customer um so yeah any also any role that is customer facing i think is just amazing and you get that feedback instantly which will always give you a competitive advantage going forward amazing well seem it's been brilliant having you with us today hope our listeners have found this as insightful as i have uh, you can find out lots more about customer experience foundation at cxfo.org And I hope you can join us next time on CX Diaries.